Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. And sitting next to me this week is Chris Evans. Uncomfortably close. Yeah, very, very close. Almost on his lap. Um, This week, we're here to talk about the upcoming Spanish Grand Prix. Um, And hopefully it'll be better than the last two, which have been pretty average, would you say? Um, I guess. At best, yeah. Yeah. As long as they spell Spanish right this time and don't put Spanish, it's fine. Spanish? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Did that happen? Yeah, in the pit the... lane last year. It was the Spanish Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, I think Saturday morning someone hastily got out a book to paint and corrected it. Yep. Nice, nice. I like the style. I like this classic uh, F1 gaff for you there. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason Spain's getting dropped from the calendar. Because <laughs> no one can spell it. <laughs> yeah, no one can spell it. They've just given up on it altogether. Um, what do we think to that? Zanvoort as a potential replacement for Barcelona. Um, Max Verstappen's homeland in the Netherlands. Could it be because uh, there's a certain Fernando Alonso is no longer on the grid that Spain's got to go? Logically, it makes sense that you go somewhere where there's a hugely popular driver and ditch somewhere that there isn't. But in terms of racing, I can't see it being any different or, if anything, it could be worse, personally. That's my opinion on Zandvoort as a circuit, anyway. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like Losing Catalonia is probably not the worst thing in the world as we sort of alluded to it never produces the best racing but i mean they've said they're going to make some changes potentially lengthening the straight and kind of maybe adding a corner or two obviously to join up to the end of it but even so it doesn't look like a great track for f1 Mm. certainly right now it doesn't but let's remember that in 2021 the car's in theory, are going to be a lot different and should be able to follow each other much, much better. True. Do we feel like that they're looking maybe in advance and thinking, actually, yeah, you know what? It's not a great overtaking track now, but it could be in the future. Wouldn't there be better waiting then? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, ra- rather than tarnish its reputation by putting it on the calendar now and it being very, very dull, then why not wait until it could be better, if that's the case? Because they've got a lot of Dutch fans that want to go watch Verstappen race. That's exactly why. I mean, you ain't got to look at the crowds at like Austria, Spa, Hungary. Like it's just a sea of orange at every track close to there these days. Which is kind of why I don't think you have to have a race in Holland. They're definitely prepared to travel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they get everywhere. Like those sort of Central European races, they're at them all, and they fill them. Like Germany last year was absolutely full yeah. of Dutch fans to the brim, so it's it's crazy how far they will actually travel, which is why I don't think it's as necessary to put a race in their home country. I know that I know that sounds like harsh, but no, yeah. no, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily harsh. I think uh, what I'd say to that is that if you're getting that many fans going to foreign races to watch uh, Verstappen race, then you're getting so many that are leaving the country to go and watch him race. Think how many more you'd get if you've got it in the country that he's from and all the fans are there. They don't have to travel because obviously not everyone's got the money to 
to go that distance to a different track mm. in a different country. Because if you're going to do that, you're probably going to have to make a bit more of a holiday of it than what you would if you were, say, staying in your own country, depending on how far the track is. Mm. But um, I think I do think they'd get, I think it'd be a sellout race if they did do oh, it. Absolutely. And that's the thing, on a calendar nowhere, we've got a number of races that are never even close to a sellout. It would be nice to see a full circuit of people. Hashtag China. <laughs> see, I could be wrong, but it doesn't really have any grandstands, does it, apart from down the main straight? Currently, no. It's all but... very general admission, sit on bankings kind of deal, yeah. isn't it, if you do go? I'm sure that would be part of the agreement for them to host a race would be... Mm build more grandstands as well yeah there's a lot of curbs and things that need changing there as well if, if there's it's some hefty F1. curbs yeah yeah there's some big ones there's a, a very good video by um jimmy broadbent on youtube who if you don't watch his stuff you absolutely should where he basically i can't what game it was on but drove a race in current f1 cars and he found it very difficult to overtake anyone i believe it's assetto corsa is the game yes i think it might be but yeah he just had to avoid all the curbs because they are just like mm. gigantic and not designed for those sort of cars. So it would need a lot of work, but yeah, I mean they could. They've got a couple of years. They can build the grandstands. Like look how quick um, they've updated the grandstand at Silverstone. Like the main yeah, grandstand true. there is a completely different grandstand now, opposite the uh, the main pits. They dismantled it. Yes, and now <laughs> they've got a new one there. Same with Austria. Like Red Bull turned that from a sort of near derelict racetrack into a. You know, FYI standard one in no time at all. Yeah. But then, on the opposite end of that spectrum, do you remember when um, Donington was going to host a Formula One race <laughs> and they mm. dismantled the track and then didn't put it back together for like a year and a half? <laughs> yeah, hopefully they've got a bit more. I wonder if Red Bull would put money into it, actually. Mm. Like Red Bull, I'm sure, want a race there. They put on a lot of like demos at that track and stuff. So. I wonder if they would put some money into the putting that race on and like the improvement work and stuff. Possible. Mm. They'd probably want brand sponsorship and stuff though, wouldn't they? If that happened. Yeah, title sponsor or something, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um I've missed out a bit of uh, a bit of feedback that we've well, a question that we've been asked by a listener, which I'll just throw in now. We've we've kind of already answered it, I guess, but um, I'll give them a shout out anyway. Um K Menjum says with the news that Zanvoort is likely to replace Barcelona from 2020, what are your opinions? I think that the only thing worse than the racing there would be Johnny Herbert's commentary. Um, <laughs> P.S. My name is pronounced Menjum, which I got right in yes. the first place, I think. So those were our opinions on Zanvoort. Does anyone else have anything to add before we move on? Just speaking of Johnny Herbert's commentary, I think it would probably be more suited to F2 racing than F1 racing, actually. If they have the F2 races there, they would probably be a bit better. Yeah. Just because they're smaller cars and they'd be able to race a bit. Closer. Hold on a minute, Chris. Are you saying that Johnny Sh- Herbert, Johnny, Sh- I nearly called him Johnny Sherbert. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Herbert should be only commentating on F two comment. Com- no, F2 he races. does. Though. Is that his? St- I think he shouldn't be commentating anywhere personally. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> That's savage. That's savage. <laughs> he commentates on F two and it's not very good. Sorry, Johnny. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Is that what I'm saying? Is that where we're going? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. Um, before we find anyone, like we, bit late for that. Bit late, but never mind. Um, to another racing series with lots of potential to offend people, the first <laughs> W Series race was won by Jamie Chadwick this weekend, uh, which I didn't watch. I did. did um, you? I did. Yeah, 
Um, and it was a pretty decent race, I don't did, you think? I did see that clip um, that you guys sent around that had someone literally piling into first corner without even yes. looking like an attempt to... Uh, it was it was down at the hairpin. Are you about the clip yeah. that I sent in the group chat? Yeah. Yes. Was that a car failure? No, it was... The track was half wet, half dry because it had been wet throughout most of the day and there was a drying line that was, meant it was good enough for slicks but then off the main line was still pretty wet and from what I could tell is she'd got out on the wet and it had just caused an instant sort of lock up and impossible to stop the car at that point and T-bone somebody. Yeah. yeah. It was was every, anybody hurt? Was everyone okay? No, it was all fine. No, it was all good. Um, it was a pretty big hit. It, I think regardless of the wet line, it was still a fairly ambitious oh, yeah. uh, lunch you're making on uh, lap one. It, but um, The irony is I wasn't trying to capture that. That was a live recording. And what I was actually <laughs> trying to capture is ha- just how far Jamie Chadwick had got away from everyone within the first four corners of uh, the circuit and going into that hairpin because she was at the apex of that hairpin while everybody else was still coming round from like turns four and coming round ah, the long well, straight. So it wasn't even turn one that that, that happened. No, that was it was the, ha- the, the hairpin, which is uh, five, I think, five or six. What what track is this again? Uh, Hockenheim. Hockenheim. Oh, is it Harken? Ah, right, cool, cool, cool. Um, what was the rest of the race like? Did did you enjoy it? It was good. Yeah, it was. There was quite a lot of like side by side racing. Yeah, um, a lot. There was a proper fight for the lead for the last kind of half of it. Nice. Um, yeah, it was. It was a. It was a decent race. There was definitely. I definitely felt like there was a wider range of um, skill level than you see in other series, perhaps. Um, like the, I get the feeling that Jamie Chadwick and a couple of others are going to be the ones at the front for most races. Like she looked yeah. for the whole weekend. I mean, to be fair, she's got more experience driving these cars than anyone else, but she looked like a class ahead of most of the people for the whole weekend. Do do we think that'll? Uh remain the trend for the season or do you think can you see sort of the other drivers catching her up and and giving her a run for her money i guess they've got to as they get more experience in the car like close the gap a bit but she's definitely got to be favorite I think, yeah right? i think the thing with jamie as well is she's driven formula three before as far as i remember and I think po- she's won a race actually, possibly even she? won a race yeah in formula three so with that basis of experience to jump into a car that is the same spec she's already like a season ahead of everybody else that's yeah. not been in it. So there was there was women this weekend that had not raced that car in the wet before. In fact, then again, maybe not many of them had, other than Jamie who'd raced it in another series. So yeah, it was so. a really interesting. It was a really interesting gap to see because it it was clear that she'd got that experience with the car and was a little more comfortable with it. I think. Mm. So it's a shame it's just a short season, to be honest, because it's like six races, I think. Six races, yeah. Six races. And so, is it a, where are they next? Do we know where the next race is? Or? We've um, got... Yes, I can tell you. It's... Oh, Zolder. Uh, Misano in Italy, the Nozring in Germany, Assen in Netherlands, and then Brands Hatch is the final race. Yeah. Um, which means it's a shame for um, uh, Emma Kimielainen, who is the one who was taken out in the first corner, she looked like second or third fastest for the whole weekend. But in a six-race series, to get a DNF straight away, you're kind of going to struggle to uh, to claw that back. Yeah. Yeah. Kimmy Linen's a cool name, isn't it? It is a cool name, yeah. It's like 
Kimmy Kovalainen. Yeah. <laughs> Hecky Kovalainen. And is she related to either of those two? <laughs> anyway, it's just like a portmanteau of uh, two of my favorite Finnish drivers. Back to last week. Another week <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that because obviously Spec Series are all using the same cars, and they've only got about four or five different paint jobs for the cars. So you get three or four cars in each color down the grid. And watching, I mean, obviously the commentators are kind of also getting used to this new series, but they seem to spend the whole race having a hard time telling immediately which car was which yeah. they were looking at until they could pick out a flag on the rear wing or a number or something. I found it a little bit awkward at times as a viewer. There was a point where there was a three-way fight for about fifth and all three cars were yeah. in the sort of pink and black livery. And it was, if the camera cut away and then cut back and someone had been side by side, it was really difficult to instantly pick out what had gone on. So, yeah, yeah that, that's that's a bit of a um, oversight, surely, isn't it? Like, I think how, it's something they'll look at for the next race, to be honest. How, how is it that they've, we've ended up with so many cars with the same livery then? Just because they're all stock. There's no teams. So they've just oh, not so picked it's like an FIA... Much. Yeah, it's completely stock. Yeah, and every race they each get a new car and engineer, so they never yeah. have the same car. And it's engineer all for it's all drawn at lots. more than one race. So at all a time. the all the cars are owned by the championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, engineer cool. the engineers are all employed by the championship. The drivers just turn up, get allocated a car and a engineer and mechanic crew. So it's essentially like showing up at a arriving driver at a karting kind of is yeah uh, yeah same anyway. sort of thing. Yeah. You know, don't know exactly what car yeah. you're going to get in until you get there, yeah. basically. Except you know it's going to be a badass Formula 3 car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're very cool cars. Yeah. Um, That's an arriving drive I'd go to. <laughs> yeah, I know, sure. right? <laughs> um, it, was, it was cool, though. I'm interested to see how the rest of this series goes. Um, there weren't many people there watching it, unfortunately. Um, but again, it's the, the very first race of a brand new series. I remember seeing some empty grandstands in the first... Uh, Formula E race a few years ago as well, and that's sort of survived a, a slow start. <laughs> survived just about, yeah. You know, they're they're, they're muddling through, aren't they? <laughs> um, another season that's surviving is the World Endurance Championship, which is uh, onto its. How many races are we into now? Into this super season? This is Quite the penultimate race. Penultimate. Oh, there's the penultimate only race. the second Le Mans of the season left now. Oh, exciting! Um, and yeah, we've just had the six hours of Spa. Um, won by Alonso, Buemi, and Nakajima in, of course, the Toyota <laughs> Yawn against nobody, really. <laughs> uh, against the track, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was against the sister Toyota until it had to have a lengthy pit stop, which uh, dropped it out of contention. It was against the elements to a degree as well. <laughs> and yeah. so survives the right word because they literally had snow, rain, sun just kind of taking it in turns throughout the six hours. It was one of the weirdest races I've ever seen in terms of the weather. I wish I'd seen it. Yeah, it was <laughs> just another race I didn't see. It was crazy. Weekend. There were multiple full-course full yellows, I think two safety car periods. In the end, the rain got that bad that they just red-flagged it with about 11 minutes left. Huh? It was, yeah. Just seeing seeing a car race in the snow is something you don't get very often. Was but it proper, properly proper snowing? Snow? Yeah. Yeah. Was it settling on the track and everything? Or like, uh, or was it like it a wasn't really enough to like settle. It was just yeah, thick white drops falling. Basically, down yeah, that's still crazy. Visibility was so. tricky. 
Um, so that's a that's a big win for Alonso. That, where does that put Alonso in the championship at World Championship? They, I believe now they can only lose the title if the other Toyota wins at Le Mans and Alonso, Buemi Nakajima score. I think it's like less than seven points, which is entirely possible. Like mm. it's entirely possible if they have trouble, the other Toyota could go ahead and win the race. But so it's still open. The championship is still open. Though. It's still open. They but they have to basically DNF to lose it. I think. Well, we all know what Toyota's record at Le Mans is like. So. Yeah, other than last year, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, that's so. That's kind of that's, and it's double points. Is, is it double points? I think it's not quite double points. But it's a lot. More, it's a lot more, more points. Yeah, they give more because of the twenty-four hour aspect. I think, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. Um, so that's going to be exciting to see the the, the next Le Mans race. But, yeah, which um, can't be far off now. Um, it's usually in May, isn't it? I'll look it up. Yeah, it's not far off. Uh, there's a calendar somewhere. It is. Oh no, it's not until June this time, fifteenth and sixteenth of June. Oh, is that that must be because of the super season? This is the whole point of the super season is to move things around so they can end with Le Mans every year. Yeah. So how are they going to do it then? They, how's the ne- when's the when does the next season start of Le Mans after this? So the next season I think will probably start like early next year, and then run through like the first half of the year and end again in at Le Mans in June. Okay, so it's actually going to be quite a long time after Le Mans before there's another World Endurance race. Yeah, quite a big gap, I think. Now, um, so get that one where you can, I <laughs> guess, is the uh, if you're into your endurance racing. Oh wait, I've got one more. Alonso, uh, Alonso's leaving World Endurance next. His uh, Toyota next season for and he's going to be replaced by another Formula One driver, keeping it loosely linked to Formula One. <laughs> um, Brendan Hartley. Um, which is good to see Brendan Hartley getting a decent drive somewhere. Yeah, I mean he's also he's a former WEC champion. I think he's won Le Mans as well in the past with Porsche. So did he? He's definitely won the championship. I'm not sure if he's actually won Le Mans. It was on but... Weber's side, didn't? Actually, yeah, because he was always in Weber's car, wasn't yeah, he? And Weber Weber's never, never won, won it. it. Yeah. So maybe he didn't. No, so he's going to have another bite of the cherry. <laughs> hopefully, um, I feel like we kind of always expected though once Alonso had got his Le Mans win for his triple crown, he'd be done. Yeah, and that's mm. all he was really there for. Yeah. And he's got two bites of the cherry, and is he going to bother taking the second bite? I mean, I'm sure he'd take it if it was there, but doesn't necessarily need it. Um, I mean, he's still, I think, staying like part of the Toyota family, quote unquote, because he's doing, isn't he doing like Paris Dakar Rally with them or something like that? Or he's certainly, he's certainly done some off road stuff with yeah. them. Yeah, he, he did test drive a Dakar car yeah. in January. He's talking about entering some off road event, I think, and. Yeah, he might pop up wherever Toyota do racing, cool. just like he pops up wherever McLaren do yeah, racing. Yeah, I was going to say, how long before we see him in a McLaren again if this car keeps um, keeps improving? Well, oh, in a, well, it's technically in a McLaren for an oh, IndyCar. Oh, all right, in a, in a McLaren <laughs> Formula 1 car. Well, that, yeah, that it's was... technically in a McLaren already, I think you'll find. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next thing. Of, do you not think he might try and do a full season of Indy? Because that would give him probably the a better chance at the 500 if he doesn't do it this year as in yeah. being in the car all season and just being on top of it like we know how good he is at just getting in the car and being fast but surely a whole season of indycar imagine if he won an indycar title imagine if he had a world 
F1 championship, a WEC championship, and then added an IndyCar championship to that list. That's like as good as a triple crown to a lot of people, surely. That's like the ultimate triple crown, isn't it? Really? That's that's the way I'd look at that. Like that's I think that's the only place you can go after you've won the triple crown. Why not in the process be world endurance champion, Formula One champion, and IndyCar champion? I think that's the modern equivalent of the triple crown, to be honest. And then you'll take up MotoGP. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that. That's I guess the new, the latest news. There's not been an awful lot of Formula One news flying around this week. Not nothing, nothing worth mentioning anyway. Um, so let's look ahead to the Barcelona Grand Prix in Montmelo. <laughs> <laughs> according, according, according to Pirelli, to Pirelli yeah, it, yeah. it is actually in Montmelo. Just to that's true. It is. It's true, but no one cares. <laughs> no, no <laughs> people one... think it's people want to hear the Barcelona Grand Prix or the Spanish Grand Prix don't they like you don't call the oh wait well I suppose you do call the British Grand Prix Silverstone but that's because it's got such heritage and people care yeah, yeah. I mean that's what the track's called not yeah anyway anyway um, 66 laps around the 4.655 kilometre circuit race distance of 307.104 we're going to be that precise kilometres <laughs> Um, lap record by Danny Ricardo is a one eighteen four four one set last year during the race. I think that's during the race. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they have speed. Yeah, um, got the hardest sets of tires coming with us: the C one, the C two, and the C three for the uh, tire buffs of, among you. Um, and yeah, it's quite a high. It's, it's on the high on the uh, the you know the higher wear side of the tires. So mm-hmm. hence why I've got this, the, the tougher tires. Still probably sounds like a one-stopper, though, with the hardest three tyres, I would have thought. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, so it's not going to be much fun in terms of strategy no. <laughs> for us. Um, Storylines leading into this week's race. Um, I've got a few Swinging Pendulums to talk about. I like it. Um, swinging Pendulums Part 1 is Hamilton versus Bottas. Um, obviously, Bottas has got the lead of the championship by the solitary fastest lap point. Um, and I'm very interested to see how Hamilton can respond to his uh, to, to Bottas' victory last week. How many times has Hamilton won around here? Does anyone know off the top of their head? <sighs> he won last year, I can tell you that much. Um, and possibly the year before that. He's had a couple, hasn't he? Yeah, he's won, he's won the last couple from memory. And then... The furthest back I check is 2016, and that's just because it's Max's year. He beat Bottas fairly comprehensively last year, actually. It was 20 seconds up the road. Ooh, I've got a feeling whoever wins it this year between those two, if it is one of those two, will not be 20 seconds ahead. No. No. Um, based on what we've seen so far. Um, swinging Pendulums Part 2. Mercedes v Ferrari. Um, can Ferrari come back at Mercedes after an absolutely dominant Un- and not necessarily even deservedly dominant. Yeah. Um, opening to the season, Mercedes broke records by becoming the f- first team ever to score one twos in the first four races of a season in Formula One. Um, Ferrari will be looking to put a stop to that, I think, this weekend. And if there's anywhere that they're going to do it, based on testing, surely this is going to be the place. Yeah, we've already seen mm. them be very fast here, so. Again, they should be, but yeah. we've said that every race so far. Yeah, you you got to remember though as well that like by the end of testing, all I think all four of them were on one sixteen point twos, 
Like the, True, the gap between the, 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 the two Mercedes and the two Ferraris as a, as a group of four was like there was nothing in it. And it was set yeah. on, it was obviously set on the the ridiculously soft tyre at the other end of the spectrum to what we'll be using this weekend. But So the times aren't necessarily anything to go by because of that, yeah. but the gap surely would be to a yeah, degree well, anyway. I mean, without sort of making it about my favourite thing, tyres, it it is good. We're not going to see the, 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 the order will change for a number of reasons. The order is going to change this weekend, not just because of tyres, but the fact that these are much, much harder tyres than they were testing with you know, they are going to struggle to turn these tires on. And it's again, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those, one of those race weekends where it's about who can get the tire to work in the small window that they have, the much smaller window that they have this season and who can't. And I'm sure a lot of them will be looking to bring upgrades uh, to make tire tires warm up much better. It'll be an area they're all looking at really, really, really closely. And you might start to see some of the teams sort of making roads into that. Yeah. Um, Swinging Pendulums Part 3, <laughs> can Vettel up his game to overcome Leclerc? He did beat Leclerc last time out, but Leclerc did look the faster car through most of the weekend. It was only his, uh, his mistake in qualifying mm. that, that yeah. cost him. Um, otherwise, I think we can all agree that he probably would have won that race. Oh, yes. Well, he certainly should have done. Um, I feel like Vettel is going to be the faster driver at this track. Um what makes you say that, Chris? I don't know. Vettel, I feel like, has always gone quite well here. Um, Leclerc last year came 10th in the Sauber, which is respectable, but it's kind of where you'd expect the Sauber to be last year. I don't know. I just get a feeling Vettel might have the legs on him this weekend. Uh, Tom, do you, what do you think? Do you think uh, Leclerc's mm. going to keep his advantage or, or will Vettel? I think Leclerc's going to come to Spain with a point to prove after his mistake. Because he'll feel like he's got two weekends now, possibly, where he should have been close to the top step. Because there's mm-hmm. the mechanical failure in Bahrain, and then he probably felt that that weekend was going to be a good one for him in, until he hit that wall. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be tough to call it between the two of them. Cool. And honestly, he'll be looking for a. He'll obviously be looking for a mistake-free weekend this weekend for sure. Um, and a smooth weekend. So I don't has has uh, did he get a smooth? Has he had a smooth weekend really yet? Bahrain was obvious an obvious one that yeah. wasn't smooth. Um, other than well, I mean it was smooth from his perspective. Him, yeah. It was perfect, and from the team's perspective, the car let him down. Um, last race, obviously, the crash and uh, then team orders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, team orders. The rest of it wasn't it? Yeah, so. I mean, like we like we keep saying, the best thing you can do is just keep out qualifying his teammate yeah. and keep being quicker than him, and then he's eventually going to leave Ferrari without any choice but to give him the uh, the advantage. At least there's a lot less stuff to crash into here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Loads of runoff. Although, if uh, Hamilton and Rosberg in 2016 is <laughs> anything to go by, it is possible to crash a car. It's very possible. Or, or anywhere on this track. <laughs> or Grosjean. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that. Um, the next uh, storyline for for me, I've I've called this section upgrade mania, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's what it usually is. Uh, uh, yeah. This this stage of the season, everyone brings new bits because the first European race, so they don't have to cart them out for miles and miles and miles. It's a bit easier to get them to this track, and um, they take a long time to produce, so they can go right up to the wire um, and work towards upgrading for this race. Um, 
So the the, the storyline here is who will come out on top in that tight midfield battle. There's a there's, all the teams are separated by tenths and less than that in places through that midfield pack. So I'm excited to see who's going to come up with the goods to get themselves on top of that battle. Mm. Yeah, it wouldn't just take much of a swing in that midfield to move up a good few places. Mm. Um, I did read earlier as well, apparently Williams have now got on top of the kind of backlog of parts they had as a result of their slow start and they're actually now in a position to be bringing upgrades, not just new versions of the original parts on the car. So <laughs> hopefully they can start making a little step forward as well now. Yeah. Did you also see the same thing that was suggesting that they weren't going to massively develop this year's car though, even now? Oh, really? Mm. Other than really? Br- other than bringing what they'd got. How, oh, that, where that came from, I don't know. I just don't know that I saw it and it shocked me to see up, it. To give up four races in, basically. Yeah. I, I struggle to believe that. Yeah. I think... Anything they do to this car this season is going to apply to next season's car as well because there's no real change for yeah. this season so far. Um, they could always change their minds on that one. This is Formula One. But um, I think it'd be daft to... to I mean, they, they, they know there's a fundamental issue with this car and they need to develop their way out of that hole in order to make next season's car better. So if, yeah. if you're Williams, you want to be pumping all the development you can into it. Never mind giving up on the car. You need to absolutely throw everything at it i'd say yeah yeah you might as well like you say as it's not a massive change next year it's always going to carry over you would think Hmm. and um my final storyline is upgrades mania part two (laughs) um can Haas improve after a relatively pedestrian start to the season we they they were looking you know they finished well last season um they looked decent in testing um nothing has really come of the start of their season so yeah. I'm keen to see um, if they can improve and sort of move forward. It seems like it's all tyres with them. Um, I, I think they do have a fast car. It's just It just doesn't like working with those tyres. So if they can get on top of that, then I think they will be quicker. But that's not the easiest. You can't just bring a new bit that makes the tyres work. Like That's a, that's a much trickier thing yeah. to get on top of. Yeah. Um... It's getting them into that window, isn't it? They need to... Uh, am I right in thinking they're not allowed to heat the tyres in the same way in the blankets? They can't season? heat them to as high a temperature this year. Right. They can still use tyre blankets, just not as heated as they used to yeah. be able to. And has anyone noticed the things that in the pits, have you noticed they're putting these heaters around the brakes as well now? To oh, put really? heat into the brake disc. So that when you put the tyre on, the heat emanates out of the brake That's disc very into the rim of the tyre and then obviously from there through into the tyre. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Um, so, yeah, it's usually on the rears. I don't know whether it's to heat them up or whether it might be even to cool them down after a run. I think in most cases it's before a run, before they're going like out. Like preheating them. Yeah. It's mm. like a foil thing, like a tinfoil hat that goes around, <laughs> um, that goes around the, the, the brake disc. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for those. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they're, I haven't seen that. they're cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so shall we all pick some pick a team to watch each? Yes. Why not? Who who wants to go first? I'll go first in case someone steals mine. Um, I'm gonna go for I nearly said Force India. I'm gonna go for Racing Point. <laughs> um, we, we've sort of talked before about how yes, they now have new owners and new money and stuff, but that doesn't instantly turn things around, which is maybe why they've had a slightly slower start to the year. But 
I feel like this is maybe the first point with these upgrades where see what it did there. those extra I didn't even intend that um, where that extra money and resources is maybe going to start making a difference. So if it is, then I think we can maybe see them taking a step forward up the grid this race. That's yeah, that's an exciting prospect. They are they given that they haven't seemed great at the start of the season, they have managed to get to fifth in the championship at this point. True, they're not doing that badly. So they're not doing terribly, but. Yeah, I think we. I do think in the early races we definitely expected a little bit more from um, Force India. They were more or less the best of the rest last season. They got docked all those points, didn't they, for changing? I keep saying for. I've said Force India yeah. like three times. I cannot get used to calling them racing point. It's so difficult. It's just such a generic name. <laughs> <laughs> Race team. <laughs> um, Tom, do you have a uh, do you have a team to watch? I'm interested to know what McLaren have got to bring. Um... Because they've had a fairly decent start to the year, sat in that best of the rest spot just. Yeah. And they're a team with the money and the resource to be able to bring yeah. substantial upgrades. So it's whether or not they can finally pay out on that promise that they've been making for the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, three seasons pregnant with promise, but barren of achievement, <laughs> yeah. is what I'd say. Um yeah, uh, McLaren. They historically they've always brought quite a big upgrade package, haven't yeah. they, to to uh, yeah. Barcelona as well? So that car could look way different. I remember last year they brought those weird side of nose flanges, those gills, yeah. Gills, yeah. nose nose flanges, nose gills. Um, didn't do much. Didn't do, then they didn't do anything, and then they never bothered upgrading <laughs> it for the rest of the season. Um, they did. A, they did what it sounds like Williams. What what you guys think Williams are going to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, team to watch for me. I, I want to know what Miss, uh, Red Bull are going to do because um, they're kind of like hovering around that no man's land and I really, really want to see them. Sort of, I, They've said that they're not going to bring an awful lot this race, but you never really know until you get you know, until you get there. Have you also ever, at one point in your life, believed Red Bull's downplay? <laughs> yeah, never brilliant. in my life have I believed a word that's come out of Christian's <laughs> mouth. So they're as bad for it as Toto Wolf can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see how they can do, um, and um, you know, as a team, if they can sort of move forward collectively and make that car a bit more drivable for both drivers, because at the minute it's been it's very uh, Verstappen focused mm. and probably not very Gasly focused, which is which we've mentioned quite a lot. Um, so the next thing, who wants to pick a driver to watch first? I will, because you've kind of teed me up nicely there, because I'm going to say Pierre Gasly. Um, I think he had a a, a low key, very impressive race in uh, Baku. Um, he was it was definitely his best race of the season. So, um, hopefully, um, saying this because he's going to be much much closer to his teammate this race. Uh, he definitely seems much happier in the car, and his speed last race out kind of showed that. So, fingers crossed, we'll see him much closer. Um, Tom, I'll give you the next shout. Um, I'm interested to see what Max can do. I'm, I'm interested there. He's always gone fairly well here, apart from when he's had like incidents. Even in the Toro Rosso, he, he kind of did fairly well. So wait, he won his first race here, didn't he? Yeah, exactly for Red Bull. Yeah. You were there, in fact, weren't you, Tom? I was indeed. Yeah, lucky Ooh. you. Yeah, but yeah, he's, generally speaking, he's done all right here. So be interesting to see if those upgrades do enough to help him stay on the back of the the big four. I guess. Mm. 
good, good, nice. Uh, I am gonna go for. I'm gonna go Lando Norris. Um, I think if McLaren do bring as big an upgrade as they historically have, then I'm interested to see what he can do with it. And he's got quite a nice little um, battle sort of forming with his teammate as well. Um, Science has had a bit of bad luck at the start of the season, but there doesn't look to be an awful lot in between them. So that's going to be a really, really spicy one to watch out for as the rest of the season unfolds, I think, yeah. as, as, their reliability, as their reliability gets better and um, as the upgrades get piled onto that car. Because make no mistake, that is a quick McLaren and that is going to get more and more bits and bobs thrown on it um, over the season. Uh, we've not really spoke about Renault, have we, for a while? No, I'm probably largely because I'm losing faith in them uh making those strides forward they just they've not shown anything so far that they're going to be able to keep up like that they race and race they seem to be slipping a little further back every time i'd like to be proven wrong and see them also making some gains on the front lot but i don't know i think they have some fairly big issues to overcome with that car yeah it's all about them gains Mm -hmm. and they're not making them no um yeah, so I, I mean, I'm not going to dwell on Renault. Um, <laughs> I, uh, one thing that I will say is maybe they're putting all their eggs in the 2021 basket or starting to anyway. But, you know, the rules aren't even out until October no. now, they've said. So, yeah, um, yeah not that um, much you can do so far. Nothing they can do at the moment. <laughs> um, okay, now on my favourite section um, <laughs> of the podcast... Um, we need a we need a sting for this. I think we need a jingle. Ash, get on it. Ash yeah, makes yeah, a jingle, please. Direct message to Ash. <laughs> um, obviously, space. It's, it's the what's on the menu section or what's in the catering. What did we? What did we decide on? Did we decide? We on never the decided. Menu? I like what's in the, <laughs> I like what's in the catering truck because it's a little bit more on brand. <laughs> yeah, I think what's it, I like the cat the catering truck sounds. Uh, I don't know catering caravan. It's more our brand, Caravan is definitely more us. <laughs> I like than... what's in the catering truck because it's a much harder thing to get into music for Ash to do for us. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's do that It's then. more of a challenge. Yeah, but, and, we, and he likes a challenge. We all know he likes a challenge. Um, so obviously your usual dishes in Spain are your sort of, you know, paella is is a classic. Um, what else? They're, they're like uh, tapas. They love a bit of tapas. Love a bit of chorizo. But Chris has found a, an extra special dish for us today. As always, I've, I've got a nice bit of traditional Catalan cuisine for you here. Not just Good. Spanish, but Catalan. Yes. Um, if, if anyone's there this weekend, you can order yourself a nice capipota, uh, which literally translates to hand and leg. Head. Um, sorry, head and leg, not hand and leg. Um, it's a traditional Catalan dish. It's a kind of stew type thing. Uh, and it's, oh, I it's... do like this kind of stuff, Stu. <laughs> hey. But it's, it's traditionally made of offal, such as nose and tripe, it says here. I like that they specify nose, not just mm. any mm. old offal. Nose specifically. Nose offal. <laughs> yeah, so you have a, a nice uh, nose and tripe uh, head and leg stew called capipota. So if anyone's in uh, Barcelona this weekend and you have a bowl of that, let us know how it is. Um, I think I'll stick to patatas bravas. Thanks. Yeah. Was the <laughs> Azerbaijani dish tripe based as well? One of I think them it was, was yeah. 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 <laughs> what we learned is Chris likes to find tripe based dishes and put yeah. them down. <laughs> if if we're going to keep doing this and I'm picking them, I'm always going to go looking for tripe before yeah, anything right. else. <laughs> Chris's tripe based escapades. Um, okay, so we, now you know what to eat in Spain. Um, <laughs> the next thing to do is for us to make some predictions. So um, I think I might stick with it. And I'm 
going to ask Tom, who is your uh, fastest qualifier in Q3? Based on form and history, I think I have to go with Lewis Hamilton here. Lewis Hamilton. I think he, from when I was looking earlier, he's had the last three, and current form would suggest that he's definitely more than capable of doing it. Yeah, I think that's definitely a sensible option given um, the current state of affairs in Formula One. Uh, I'll go next because Chris looks busy. I'm <laughs> going to go. I'm also going to go with Hamilton. I'm going to go sensible um, for a change. I've been going with my heart, yeah. but I'm going with my head. And yeah, it's, it, it, you're right, Tom. It's got to be Hamilton. Chris, who are you going for? I mean, you've just said Tom's right, so we've got to go Hamilton. All three Hamilton, so that's uh, no points advantage for oh, anyone over here this week. So it begins. Um, uh, Chris, would you want to give me a winner? I, I'm instantly going to regret it, but I'm going to say Vettel. Oh, Chris. Chris, 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 Chris. If Ferrari are ever going to win a race, it's going to be this one. Um, I am going to go for... I'm going to go Hamilton for the win as well. Double ham. Double ham. Tom? This is a very tough decision between heart and head here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm going to go a little bit out there and hope some luck changes and say Leclerc. Leclerc? Oh. So I'm, I'm along Chris's lines of I think Ferrari might be decent in the race here. but mm. I was actually very tempted to say Verstappen. I have this... Weird feeling yeah. that something weird's going to happen this weekend and he's going to end up nicking the win. But wouldn't be the first time. that it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to get any points for it. Yeah. The, the Red Bull race win burglar team are going to come yeah. good. Uh, Chris, it's your turn to pick the first DNF of this next race. The first DNF last season uh, was, if I can get it in front of me... Um, Nico Hulkenberg for Renault after his collision with Pierre Gasly. And um, mostly Roman Grosjean. Roman Grosjean. It feels harsh that Hulkenberg went down his first retirement. Yeah, it does, went, even it? It was, I guess Grosjean, after hitting everyone, went a bit further around the track. That's it. That's who's yeah. uh, furthest around the track. Yeah, I guess he triggered another uh, time point. Anyway, this weekend, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Hulkenberg again. Hulkenberg. Oh, you the Renaults have just got no luck for us, have they, at the moment? It's been Renaults quite often this season, so it I'm sticking so with far. it. And I think, Tom, I'm, I think you're next, are you? Um, this is kind of random. but Yeah, I'm just trying to think about who it might be. Oh, why not go for Kevin Magnussen? Why not? Magnussen. Uh, Mid- like midfield, fair... first corner, pile up. Kind of what I'm thinking as well. Yeah, it seems like a fair um, assumption. Uh, who am I going to go for? The last race, the first retirement. Of course, not many retirements in the last race. Uh, just Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, actually quite a few retirements, but not many collisions. Well, we yeah. just expecting more collisions, weren't we? But <laughs> um, Ricciardo first out due to collision damage with Danny Kvyat. Um <laughs> I'm going to go Kvyat. Kvyat's such an obvious choice for first retirement. <laughs> that, and he's had he's had a lot of frills and spills so far. <laughs> it's going to happen sooner or later. This uh, season, yeah, yeah. I feel like if um, 
There's only so many ways a coin can flip, <laughs> and um, you know, going to land on crash. You know, you picked the <laughs> last time, and we're annoyed that Danny Rick went down as the first thing. How annoyed are you going to be yes. if? Kvyat crashes into like Hulkenberg or Magnus, and one of us gets a point, and you don't. <laughs> I will be beside myself with rage. Tom, <laughs> the answer to that question. Okay. Just, just um, <laughs> the next, uh, the next uh, one is the number of finishers. How many people finish? I think I'm first for this one, and I'm going to go for my classic sixteen finishers. Um, and then we can have you next, Tom. Um... I don't know. The last few years, we've it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I'm gonna go for sixteen as well. I think sixteen mm. conservative. Oh, man, I was I was also thinking sixteen, but now I just feel bad for <laughs> that. It was only fourteen last year, but three of the six retirements all happened at the same yeah. time because of Grosjean. Yeah. yeah, the chances of that happening again, I think, are very touch wood are very very yeah. slim. 16 feels right to me, but I don't want to go for this. They're so boring to go for the same one. No, because if I, if I don't say it and it happens, I'll hate myself. So I'm going to say 16 as well. Okay. Say 16 now. And then, Chris, can I have a random driver from you, please? You can. It is... Do, do, do... Color signs. Color signs. At home. At home, yeah. It's home race. Oof. Uh, where did Carlos finish last year? In uh, seventh. Was he in the McLaren last year? Was Renault. Last year? Renault. Oh, yeah. was, he st- was he Renault? Um, oh, yeah, he's yeah, McLaren now, isn't he? Of course. <laughs> seventh last season. Uh, seventh last race, sorry. And seventh last season. So <laughs> Good place for him. It's a good place. For, um, for information, he was sixth in 2016, seventh in 2017, and seventh in 2018. So make of that what you will. And as in three yeah, different um, cars as well. That's a Toro Rosso, a Renault. <laughs> no, sorry, two Toro Rosso results and a Renault result. So it's two different cars. I feel like seventh is probably a safe number to go for. So I'm going to do it. So there, there it is, seventh for me. What about uh, you guys, uh, Chris? I'm going to go eighth, I think. Oh. Eighth. And Tom? I was going to say eighth too. Now I've got Chris's eighth. dilemma. If I don't say it and it happens, I'm going to be gutted. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. I'm yeah. eighth. That's where I was going to go before. Eighth. So. Okay, cool. Variation. We like it. Um, cool. So that's all of our predictions. You can make your predictions at backofthegrid.com. Um, and while you're at it, give us a little like and a, or a share. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on, shall we? Um, we've got some inbox from our, our legions of devoted fans. <laughs> John says, hey, guys, John, a.k.a. Zach Brown claims from Predictions League here, which is one of our favorite uh, teammates. Yeah. <laughs> Um, after Baku, we now see Valtteri leading Lewis by just one point, which he earned from his fastest lap in Australia. I don't know how far back in history the fastest lap statistics go, but I was curious what drivers may or may not have been world champions if that fastest lap extra point had always been in play. Uh, maybe some math whiz out there can crunch the numbers and figure this one out, uh, which Tom has done a better job of than me, we've already discovered. Um, it seemed a small addition to the sport of first, but the idea that this year's championship could be decided by that singular point from just the fastest lap makes me very excited and makes me wonder how different the F1 history books would have been if it was around from the start. Before we get into this, I just want to applaud Chris for reading that out so quickly. It was like, <laughs> you know when you get an insurance advert and at the end they give you like all the terms and conditions? 
It was such a long wait, message, and he got it all in. Amazing. Wait for the next two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You've got one of them. That... Oh, my God. Oh, for God's sake. It's actually something I try really hard not to do, because I know I talk incredibly fast, which is not the best audio experience on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we do the numbers, I will say I completely agree with John that I really like that the fastest lap is a thing that they're fighting for and is like making these differences. I think it's yeah, I, I think it works really well. I'm with you. I think Tom's with you. I think we're pro yeah, um, we're pro point bonus point, aren't we? On this podcast, we're a pro fastest lap point podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think one thing that this year does highlight since it's become an official thing is that. Some of these results probably need to be taken with a pinch of salt because if they knew that the fastest lap would have been getting and these extra points, they would have probably tried harder for it. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. It's kind of an academic yeah. exercise, more or less, isn't <laughs> it? Because if you, if you, yeah, like you say, yeah, if it's a factor, then you race to that, don't you? But if it's not, you don't exactly. So I can go back as far as the 70s and find five that would have been different. Would you like to know what they are <laughs> and why? Yes, please. Okay, so in 76, Louder would have beaten Hunt. Um, it finished Whoa. Yeah, It finished 68 points for Louder, 69 for Hunt, but with fastest laps, Louder would have, would have had 72 to Hunt 71. Nice. So that would have changed that one. Obviously, Louder finishing the race in the rain would have made a difference as well, but that's different <laughs> um, oh yeah <laughs> um, in 1979 Villeneuve would have won the title and not Schechter um, it finished 47 points for Gilles Villeneuve 51 for Jody Schechter it would have been 53 to 51 in Villeneuve's favour because he had six fastest laps and Schechter didn't have a single one um, you forget how much the point system has changed like yeah. <laughs> 40 and 50 points is like yeah. two races <laughs> yeah. these days yeah, exactly. That's ins- that really it. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was eight. Po- was it eight points for a win at one point? It was yeah. one point, I and think, only yeah. the top six scored, didn't they, as well for a long yeah. time? And then it was eight, and then ten. Crazy. Um, in 1986, Mansell would have won a title instead of Prost. Um, it finished 70 to 72 in Prost's favour, but Mansell had four fastest laps and Prost had two. And this is the most interesting one because that would have made it 74-74. And the reason Mansell would have won it is on count back of wins because he won five to Prost's four. Oh, wow. So that's the most complicated one of the bunch, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Where did you find these? Just by looking stuff up. The internet. internet. Yeah, in fairness, I had a long time to prepare because this question was sent for last week's podcast and just missed the cut. (laughs) So I've had all week Ah, to sort this out. That's convenient. Um, The next one, Prost would have actually reclaimed that missing title and beat (laughs) Senna in 88. Um, It finished 87 points to 90 in Senna's favour, but Prost had seven fastest laps and Senna only had three which would have made it 94-93 in Prost's favour. And then the most recent one that I think a lot of people already know because it was highlighted when the point system came back for fastest lap, and that's um, Massa would have won the title in 2008 instead of Hamilton. It finished 97-98 to in Lewis's favour, but um, Felipe had three fastest laps compared to Lewis's one, so he would have won the title with 100 points to 99. Hmm. But it's all academic. And it is all <laughs> academic. Yeah. <laughs> Not to take away from all your hard work, Tom, but it means nothing. <laughs> Just some intense Googling. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. That's, that's, uh, the, the, hunt, the Hunt Louder one, especially, I, I like. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting, other than the, um, 
the Pro Senna one, how few fastest laps go to the top people in the uh, championship. But I guess mm. that just shows when you don't necessarily need it for any points. Yeah. You don't take the risk yeah. of going for it. Yeah, that's it. Why take that? I mean, that's one of the arts of, uh, of racing is not knowing when to push and when not to push, yeah. isn't it? Agree. Um, and yeah, why would you? If you're leading the race and there's no extra points, why would you push for the extra lap? And that's what we're seeing unfold on track at the end of each race now is that question of, you know, especially in Australia, Bottas sent mm. the message, I want that extra point. Yeah. Um, it just adds that extra bit of drama to what could sometimes turn into a dull ending to mm. a race when you know it's a foregone conclusion that someone's going to win. But now you've got that extra, you know, that extra little... Uh, bit of spice for i keep saying so i said spice a lot today <laughs> word um, of the day extra bit of uh fuzz i'm gonna go with this time for um for that fastest lap point this one's from literally just daniel kvyat um, <laughs> hi danny hi danny he says how long of a leash does lance stroll have given his dad owns the f1 team he's obviously nowhere near the level of checko um will we see stroll be booted before his dad gets bored of f1 um, also, is the reason he's so slow in qualifying because he forgets to take out his fifty-pound wallet filled with dollars he uses to slap engineers? <laughs> wow, um, Danny Kvyat's got a bit of beef, hasn't he? All right. Um, maybe he wants to use the excess papers to throw at his rivals, like you throw banana peels in Mario Kart. <laughs> Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, so, there's a question in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's, I guess, he's asking how long before Lance Stroll is uh, given the heave ho. It is an interesting one. It, like, he he is definitely quite a bit slower than Perez this season. Mm-hmm. Um. There's no denying that he wouldn't be in that seat if his dad didn't know the team. That's just a given. Um, Yeah, he probably does have way longer to keep underperforming for that very reason, which is a real shame when you have drivers like Ocon sat in the wings without Mm. a drive. I I suppose the only thing is that his dad is not the sole owner of the team. There are other stakeholders involved. So, yes, there is that element of the fact that there's a bit of nepotism, I guess, because it's his dad. Oh, good word. It's, how long will the other major stakeholders put up with it is what I'm getting at, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not yeah. just I his dad's decision to, to make, is it? Yeah, it, it is kind of unfair to, to go around saying, you know, Lance Stroll's daddy's bought an F1 team because I don't think that's strictly true, is it? Like there is a There are a number of stakeholders involved. Yeah. Um, they're all racers at that team, um, just like they were before, but the DNA is still the same in that team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one thing I po- will point out is, you know, Sergio Perez right now is um, sixth in the standings with 13 points. Yep. And uh, Lance Stroll is way down in 14th with just four points. So already early in the season, there's quite a big gulf developed between the two just in the championship. Um, and... Yeah, I guess it does beg the question, how long can that go on? Because there's a very clear gap between the two. And, you know, but really both both cars should be up there in the in the higher positions, I'd say. So it's very clear that that's a car that's got a lot of promise that can do something this season. Mm. Um, I don't think it'll be this If he does get the boot, I don't think it'll be in the season. I think it would be at the end of the season. Yeah, but, yeah I agree. There's a long old way to go. I mean, let's not forget Lance Stroll's still on the podium. Um, yeah. 
he has got the goods when the car's underneath him, I think, and when the sort of dice rolls in his favour. Um, uh, give him time. It's a new team for him as well, you know. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I mean, Perez has been there for years. He knows that team yeah. inside and out. There is that. And, you know, Stroll has won championships in junior formula. Like, he's he's a, he's a decent enough racing driver. Yeah, We've given him a lot of grief on this podcast we have. in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, whether that's fairly or unfairly, you, you guys can uh, sound off in the comments <laughs> about. But, um, yeah, you know, um, let's give it time. Uh, next, we have one from Velvet Thunder. Uh, hey guys, long time listener, <laughs> and man. since tyres are the most favourite things to banter on, here's a question. Ferrari's <laughs> main problem oh, so far, apart from botch strategy calls and faulty control electronics, is switching on the tyres. Uh, Haas are also facing pretty much the same issue, and since they are using a Ferrari rear end under the listed and non-listed rules, um, is there a fundamental problem with the rear end of the Ferrari that is causing said tyre warm-up issues? There are other factors like how the car is set up and how much downforce that they are running on the car, but suspension design and geometry is surely a main factor to get temperatures into the tyre. Uh, what is your take on this? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, every team's struggling to, to warp the tyres um, at the moment. It's it's kind of like it's one of those things where they, they've changed the gate. So, for those of you who don't know much about the tire, they've changed the thickness or the gauge of the tire, which means there's less rubber moving around, making it much much more difficult for the teams to heat up the tires. There's also a lot less downforce being produced from the front wing than there was before, um, and so that's also making it difficult. We've had a few races with quite long straights as well, which doesn't help. Um, but obviously the Mercedes seem to be doing a decent job of it because, or they're doing a better job than anyone else because they're winning races. Um, how much of it is down to Ferrari bits on the Haas? Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. Like, is is there something there or is that just coincidence that those two teams aren't getting to the bottom of how to work with these tyres yet? Um, I think that's kind of a time will tell type thing, isn't it? You'd, you'd expect them to gradually get on top of these things, but mm. um, you know, the Alfa Romeo see doesn't seem to have as much of an issue as no. the Haas yeah. in in warming up its tyres. As far as I'm aware, um, they there are a few places ahead of them in the championship. Um, Alfa on 13 points, Haas on eight, down in eighth with Alfa in sixth. Um, in terms of suspension geometry, I don't think they have the same suspension geometry as the Ferrari, do they? I think you have to make your own suspension, right? Uh, I can never remember right? the exact list of parts that yeah, there is can a, and can't There take. is a set list, and uh, as Chris says, I couldn't tell you it off the top of my head. Um, I can't honestly remember if suspension's part of it or not. I think you're right in saying those, Stu, that the Alphas probably the thing that would suggest that that's not 100% the case, at least. Even if it's a factor, it's not solidly the the only problem that they've got there because the Alpha seems to be managing okay. Um, and like you say, he's outperforming the Haas. So is it more just <laughs> the way Haas are running yeah, the team I've... in general than anything? Yeah, I think. I mean, even in your question, you mentioned a bunch of different factors there. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know, so you've kind of answered it, answered your own question, I guess, <laughs> a little bit. Um, shall we go on to the next? 
Yeah. yeah um, said that piece, from Joe, who says, Hey guys, lovely to see podcast. Thank you, Joe. Uh, new to following F1 and have come across some articles saying it is now boring. What are your thoughts on maybe bringing back a manual transmission? Uh, well, I'll say Ooh. straight away that articles saying F1 is now boring are no new thing. They have been around since forever. So that's not <laughs> yeah. just because you're new to F1. <laughs> if you'd only watched the last two races, I could understand. You. Yeah. If, if you just landed on Earth from another planet far, far away, um, <laughs> you could be forgiven for thinking that yes. Formula One, the pinnacle of motorsport, was boring. But if you'd if you'd landed in saw Bahrain, you'd be absolutely tripping and be like, "Why don't they do this on my planet?" So, um, I think if you've managed interplanetary travel to such a degree, F one's not going to be that much of a spectacle, is it? Yeah. yeah, that's probably, true. Yeah, it's it's probably, probably it probably is all boring. Kind of <laughs> yeah, um, bit more F zero pod, pod racing. <laughs> yeah, it's not a new thing. I think there's a there's a that question's a big one. There's a, I think we could do a whole thing about why we love Formula 1 and why Formula 1 isn't boring. <laughs> um, so watch this space. Summer break, maybe. Yeah, I think in the manual transmission thing, I think while the cars are generally this complicated, no. Because there'd just be too much going on, I think. Um, I know that like a, a clutch-based manual transmission is not that difficult a thing to keep in mind. Like, it's second nature, but... I just think there's so much going on in the cars already. There's, you'd see driving standards drop. I think just because there'd be so much to do. Yeah, J- just so we're clear, um, we're because t- obviously the, the transmissions we have aren't. It's not like an automatic transmission that we have at the moment no. in a Formula One car. You still have to select the gears that you want. The difference is to a regular car, you've got two paddles behind the steering wheel. For those of you who don't know Formula One quite as well as some of the other people who listen. Um, and you 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 press those buttons on the back of the wheel to to change gear. Um, and when he talks about a manual transmission, he means literally a stick shift. Yeah, yeah, that, a clutch and, and a, a clutch and a stick that you use to literally move the gear from one place yeah. to another. Um, I think you know it'd be a it's an interesting concept. Like I like the idea of them having to use a regular old gearbox, but I just don't think it's that road relevant anymore since everyone's no. using all the performance cars and a lot of automatic cars are using flap, what's called a flappy paddle gearbox anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. But having said that, one of the sources of it would mean that people would make more mistakes. And I think one of the problems of the current generation of formula one cars or, or the sort of the, the corner that we've eventually been designed into is the cars have been made engineers being much, much, much more easy to drive with each iteration. Mm. Um, and as a result of that, the racing means there's less mistakes and less overtaking corners and things like that. So it's an interesting idea mm. at least I'd say. One thing they are doing for 2020 is um, they're tightening up the rules on the clutch itself so obviously it'll only affect the start, but they're essentially going to be, well, they're going to be making like paddle clutches mandatory, which to be honest, I'm pretty sure every car uses anyway, but they're making that mandatory. They're also saying if a lot of teams have a kind of two paddle system for the clutch and they're saying if you have two paddles, they have to function identically. They can't do the kind of clever release one slightly, release the other thing that a lot of the teams do now. Yeah. They also want them to be very linear i think a lot of teams now kind of as you release the paddle the actual effect it has on the clutch kind of 
ramps up and down throughout the movement and they're saying no, it has to be linear. So I think we definitely get more variation in starts as a result of that. But obviously, yeah, that doesn't affect any gear changes for the entire rest of the race. Yeah. I'd say the thing to remember with that is that these guys put hours and hours and hours and hours into practicing these things. So to begin with, whenever they make these this kind of rule chain change at the very very start, you always see like a few mistakes and a few mm. things. Like they did it with they changed the clutch setups before, and you did see a few sort of slow getaways and stuff like that. But within like three races, yeah, they just get used. They're to all it. just so used to it, and they're so dialed into them that it makes no difference anyway. Yeah. So you work with what you've got, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a track limits thing though, to a degree. I know it's not really cars, but if <laughs> if you're gonna allow something like I can't remember where what it was. It was the IndyCar thing we were talking about the other week, where they were running out so wide in the final turns. Uh, yeah, oh, it's Circuit of Americas. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you allow a racing driver to do something like that, they are going to do it. They will just work within whatever means they can to be as fast as they possibly can, won't they? That's just their nature. Yeah, it's their job. Yeah, it's their job to yeah. find the fastest way around the circuit. And if 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 there's a way of getting around faster, then they're always going to do it, unless you tell them not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan says, hi guys, long time listener, first time rider. I got motivated by the shout out last episode on my Fantasy League 208 score. Yeah, he got a ridiculously high score last week in the Fantasy League. Oh, as if? Yes. I don't remember talking about that. <laughs> wow. Probably in... You're in a haze. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally memory like a sieve. <laughs> um, I've got a few hot topics for you to discuss. I don't really like Horner, but in hindsight, was he right when he said Renault spent all their money on their driver and didn't leave much for the car? And his other question is, could this be the resurgence of McLaren after so many long seasons as they can regularly fight the Red Bulls and are pulled away from their engine manufacturer team? Anyways, this has been stretched long enough. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for the weekly episodes and keep it up. Thanks, Ryan. We will try. Uh, who wants to go first <laughs> to answer that? I guess the science. This is science to Renault, right? He's saying that they spent a load. So Renault. No, spent I think he said it after Ricardo. Oh, sorry, Ricardo. Ricardo yeah. to, to Renault. I, I think this is a. Um, I think this might be a, a Netflix. Uh, yeah, it is a series reference, comment. It? Yeah, yeah. I I think like most things Christian Horner says, it's a nice soundbite <laughs> and it's a nice dig at his rivals. <laughs> But I don't think there's that much substance behind it, honestly. Oh, Chris. <laughs> He's got uh, a point, he though, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't expect to get Christian Horner on this podcast <laughs> anytime soon, but yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you probably... I don't know. Is is Christian kind of right, though? Like, they did spend an awful lot of money. I mean, he knows how much they spent on his driver, so... Yeah, well, he was out of contract, so I guess it's not going to pay them for him. It's more, I guess he knows what what contract they offered him. Yeah. Yeah. But then he didn't go to Renault for the money, did he? He went to Renault for what they can potentially do in the future. I guess uh, Horner made his own bed by putting too much back in behind Verstappen. Well, exactly, yeah. no, he's just bitter because he didn't get what he wanted. He's the kind, they're the kind of team that often get what they want and didn't really get what he wanted. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And in terms of the McLaren resurgence, Tom, you got any... Uh... We've said it before, haven't we? Like, I'm hopeful for this season because it does look like they're getting things back on track after a few 
issues and a lot of staff changes and things like that higher up. So, yeah, fingers crossed this is that resurgence. Um, I think, like we said earlier in the episode, that the upgrades they bring to Barcelona will probably highlight where they're going to be for the rest of the season as to how strong they're going to be for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brooke Archer says, will there be a first lap crash? And if so, who will cause it? Oh, Danny Kvyat, yes. Uh, no, Kevin Magnussen. Ooh, not Grosjean. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who's your first lap crash then, Chris? Actually, yeah, who's it? Hulkenberg. <laughs> so you say, no, there won't be a first lap crash, or yeah. that he's going to get he, taken uh, out? Cause... No, it'll it'll be Grosjean that causes the crash. It just won't necessarily be him that is the first. Yeah. So you're just going for a repeat of last season then? Basically, I, I actually because I, I would do this thing where I check like the last three years at the circuit to get an idea of the trends. I did notice that on all three of the last races here, it was there was a serious incident uh, to some degree by turn four. So you've yeah. got um, last year, obviously coming <laughs> coming out of turn three. You got the year before that, it was Bottas. Verstappen and Kimi that all came together through turn one and two. Oh yeah, and that ended at least two races, if not all three of them, by the end. Mm. And then you got um, obviously the season before that, which was the Mercedes coming together on the run down to turn four. It's something about that first section that yes. just kind of it sort of pinches them all, doesn't it? It does, yeah. This first few corners, and they're going to be really quick. You know, they're, they're going to they're going to be a new fastest lap this season. Oh yeah, track. sure. Basically, the testing times were insane. Fair enough, the testing times were on softer tyres, but still, like they were rapid. It's a different time of the year, though, as well, isn't it? The temperatures are different, so it was cold. Yeah, it was a lot colder back then, so this, that's yeah. why the softer tyre works better. True. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad we're all agreeing, Chris. <laughs> Uh, next, Anthony Jones says, I read that Red Bull is bringing small updates, uh, but after the last race, I feel like Red Bull will be on the podium for the first time this year. Which driver will have the better race, Max or Gasly? Max. Yeah. I mean, Max, yeah. <laughs> Max, hasn't it? That's an easy one. I think podium might be a bit soon. Well, unless, as I sort of said earlier, there's some chaos and they pick up the pieces. But I think that's what they need so far. They need the Ferraris and the Mercedes to crash into they each do, other yes. a little bit, don't they? Or the Ferrari to lose a spark plug, or the Mercedes <laughs> yeah. to somehow do something have a random failure that well, that'll never happen <laughs> um yeah uh any more input on that anyone no the, i mean the, we've sort of talked a few times this week about red bull like catching the front pack and i almost feel like that might be bad for the championship because if they do catch up they're likely to be taking points off ferrari not mercedes mm. which is just going to make mercedes run away with it yeah that's true even more than they already are mm. Unless, well, yeah, unless Ferrari can improve their well ideas up. Mix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, but I just think both of those teams need to book their ideas up and, and make a better car in the first They place, should both they? be performing way better than they yeah, are, I yeah. think. Um, final one. Um, so we'll round off. We've uh, got time for one more. Um, Stephen Barlow um, says If Charles Leclerc wins a couple of races before Seb does, will this stop the team orders or will Ferrari stay with Seb as number one? Um, I think it'll take. I think it'll take a lot to to move them off. But then, what you're describing there is a lot. So I think if if 
if Vettel has two shockers mm. and Leclerc has two wins, then I think that probably would be enough for them to maybe start thinking about... I was going to say, about... stop team orders and Ferrari is... That's <laughs> going to take a lot. It'll make them, maybe it might be enough to make them step back and go, actually, guys, I'm not sure <laughs> this is the right approach. <laughs> Do you think um, do you think that conversation would ever be had at Ferrari? Yeah. <laughs> well, someone will say it and they'll and they'll just say, No, this is a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, them them changing their approach like is at glacial speed. Yeah, yeah. If he, if Charles Leclerc wins the next couple of races, they might stop team orders by about twenty twenty one. At which point Seb's gone anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Charlie's getting team orders in favour of him because yeah, uh, yeah. Mick Schumacher's in the other car. <laughs> yeah. So in in conclusion, stick with it, Charles. <laughs> you, you'll be number one one day. Um, and that is about all we've got time for this week. Um, you can find us on all the socials um, just by searching for Back of the Grid. Uh, and you can visit the website to submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. Um, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week when we review the Spanish Grand Prix. So goodbye. Bye. Bye. Got there in the end. <laughs> and there was no tidbit anyway. Yeah, yeah I had no tidbit. All the tidbits came like when we weren't I recording. <laughs>